Welcome back to Talking Jesus with your host, Eric Arena. And just a reminder, Jesus is the real deal, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Talking Jesus. I'm your host, as always, Eric Arena. I'm glad you guys continue to come. We've been doing this new segment. It's called Abandonment or Feeling Abandoned by God. Although after last week's episode, and and thank you very much for all the feedback I received, it was actually very helpful. I think a lot of people enjoyed the show, actually, and I think people started to see some of their own shortcomings in it. And trust me when I say that the show is just designed essentially based off of my own shortcomings. I'm never short to admit when I fall short, when I feel that I'm lacking in faith. And that has always been kind of a symbol of hope for people in this wild way where the honesty comes through, the honesty shines through. And so I just want to continue to be that for all my brothers and sisters here. I think almost the name of the show, or rather this segment, should be, instead of feeling abandoned, is how short am I selling God that I feel abandoned? So many times in our life, we don't give him credit for what he can do and what he's willing to do for us, and so we feel abandoned by him. And essentially, that's what last week's episode was about when we explored Mark 4 and the storm coming over the boat that they were in. Just to recap, Jesus is sleeping in the boat and they say to him, don't you care if we drown? Like I'm as good as dead. And he gets up, calms the storm in a way that we could never imagine could happen. And says, again, I I said this, he asks us this introspective question and he questions our faith. And it can be a big challenge for us to look at our faith. But really, when we go through these event abandonment things, A lot of it has to do with faith, right? Do we believe in the things that God tells us? Do we see those things as true or do we feel that we have some ability to make them untrue, right? Can we sin to a point where God will no longer protect us? Was was Jesus' death in vain, right? We have to ask ourselves what we're asking in a way. When we feel these things, what am I saying about God? Because he knows the, the truth about our word. Our word doesn't really come with any permanence. Our word doesn't come with any, it's not really backed by much. It's only backed by our actions and our actions. We don't really show too much. That's, that's the truth of the limitation of humans, of what it is to be a human. But when God says something, when it leaves his mouth, as soon as it leaves its mouth, his mouth rather, it's true, right? God doesn't put these, maybe I'll do this kind of statements. He, he will say, if, that if word exists and he uses it because it is based off how we are and how we function on our end of the relationship that God works in, if you will. And I think we'll explain this a little bit more. He's not a, he's not a fickle God and he's not a God that is unwilling to show up, 
but he does care about the way that we see him. He does care about the things that we do, right? Being made in his image, it matters to him that we are a reflection of him and would behave like him with this overextension of mercy, with this willingness to go further and deeper into grace. That's what he's looking for. And so on talking to Jesus, that's all we're going to do. First things first, before we get into scripture today, we'll be going over a couple of scriptures in Second Chronicles and also in Exodus. I just want to thank you for coming back to the show. I want to welcome you to Emmanuel. You're always welcome to come to Emmanuel if you're in the uh, Lake Norman, Charlotte area. We uh, meet at Dugaren Venues. I think that you will all find and meet God there. You'll meet his grace. If you're feeling like a little disconnected from your church, a little disconnected from God and the word, I encourage you to come here and feel the Holy Spirit. We're meeting at Dugaren Venues in Denver, North Carolina. You can find us Emmanuel Church 1121.com. That's the same thing for the YouTube page. Watch some of the sermons before you come to see how you feel about it. I'm not, truthfully, I'm not big about the whole online church thing. I think people have gotten lazy. And so they go to church online and they do it to like check the box. But if you want to come in and feel the Holy Spirit, you have to, you have to be in. That's my personal opinion. Uh, take it for what it's worth. I, I Obviously, Jesus accomplished what he accomplished on the cross that we would not have to be in the temple to be there with God's spirit. But we're only one person. And when we don't foster relationships with other believers and we don't spend time out of our comfort zone, which is something that we'll talk about today, it can be difficult for us to have a fruitful relationship with Christ because we're so comfortable with everything we are in and everything we are in now is more or less not in Christ. So putting ourselves closer to people who believe in him, who talk about him, who worship him can help us develop those habits as well and move away from other habits as well. So that's my encouragement here today is that you might come to Emmanuel, that you might get to know God and what his relationship is like. And we'll go over these scriptures today and we'll have a blessed day. But first, let's worship. Then we'll pray and we'll get into the word. Thank you, Jesus. We're talking Jesus on here. I'm talking Jesus. Is that repetitive? I don't care because it's all we're going to do. Thank God. Let's spread the good news, the gospel message. I love you and welcome back. everybody welcome back i'm so grateful for that opportunity to worship i think we should just get into some prayer and then get right into it we don't have any time to waste here on talking jesus dear lord thank you for this day thank you for this opportunity to worship you 
in song and worship you in your word and hopefully glorify you and do something honorable to you. Lord, I just pray that today would be a blessing unto you and the sharing of your word would be a blessing unto us. Lord, I just thank you for all of these opportunities that you give us to change our mind, to move in a different way that we might be closer to you and not feel abandoned by you or confused by the things that you say. Lord, we just ask that you would continue to deliver us from our enemies, whether it be internal or external, that you would free us from any chains and any bonds that our heart and spirit is in, and that we might be made new, a new image in Christ and a new image under the sun, basically uh, an entirely new life, Lord. We just ask you to continue to move in a new way that it might open our eyes and open our ears that, again, we might see and hear who you are and what you're saying. Lord, I thank you for all of the things that you've given us and all the things that you have planned for us. Lord, please continue to move in Jesus' name. Amen. Bang, 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 baby. Here we go. So we're talking about abandonment. We're talking about what is that feeling like? Why is it there? Why have I ever felt it? If God is so powerful and so complete and is lacking nothing, why do I feel that? Why do I feel incomplete and like I'm lacking? It's probably just because I am who I am. I'm the smaller version. I was made in God's image, but I was not God. But that doesn't completely help us understand or paint the picture. So we have to continue to dig into these ideas through God's word and through the stories that it gives us as examples, right? God speaks in parables. He speaks in stories and he speaks through our own responses, right? All of the people in the Bible who are talking and working with God, they have very human responses. They have these insecurities. They have these infirmities. They have these honest questions that we all have. Again, the Bible is not soft. It, it explores these deep ideas and these real life questions that we have. And it also shows God's response to them. So these questions have been asked many thousand years ago, and they're still the same, right? It's not like the world. It's good. Believe it or not, it's a good thing that the Bible hasn't changed over the course of thousands of years, because otherwise it would have grown more and more wicked and more and more palatable to the next generation that was becoming more and more wicked and, and further and further from God. So let's thank God that his word has not changed. And he, and he says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? These things that I've said all that time ago did not change because I did not change. And if it left my mouth, it was true then and it is true now, and it will be true in the thousand years ahead. I hope we don't have a thousand more years on this earth, but so be it. God is willing. If God is willing, it will be done. And I'm just doing my best to align myself with his will. So we're going to talk about Moses and the Israelites, how they felt abandoned and how they felt confused in the middle, working in the midst of God's will and what he had planned for them. And then we'll talk about Solomon and some of the conversation that God had with Solomon and what that looked like. So first, the scripture that we'll be going over today is Exodus 14, verses 1 through 18. This is a little bit longer, but we'll break it into pieces and we'll kind of help bring in the context of what's going on so that we can see how we're feeling as a relationship to God and his works and what he's working in our lives, rather. So let's do that first. Exodus 14, verses 1 through 18. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and account and encamp near Pi Hariah. Hiroth, between Migdal and the sea, and encamp 
They are to camp by the sea, directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that their people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took in his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with the officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites, who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen, and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Hiroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. Verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians. Marching after them, they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to die in the desert, or to, to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over to the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go after they will go in after them and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Amen. Thank you for that word, Lord. So, they're feeling abandoned. There's a lot more going on in the story. We chose a lot of verses here. It's kind of a lot. It's kind of a, a lot to chew. Again, that's Exodus 14, 1 through 18. But there's key themes that are very biblical that are going on here that we need to sort of bring into our way of thinking so we can change who we are. We can repent and change our mind and see how God might be working and see how his purpose is being fulfilled. So. First, we need to understand that Israel is set in Egypt at this point, or prior to this, they were set in Egypt and they were being held as slaves. If you don't understand that, we need to go back and read Exodus and understand that God prophesied to Abraham, I'm going to make you as bountiful or plentiful as the stars, but prior to that, you're going to spend your your family, your inheritance, your children are going to spend... 400 years in slavery. And so this kind of zooms into the end of that 400 years in slavery that they spent with Egypt or under Egypt's command. And so God is in the process of removing them from that slavery that he promised he would do. 
So God, throughout this whole section here, is in the middle of fulfilling a promise he made to them. A while ago, yes, but still making good on his word that left his mouth and so was true. And God is looking for glory, right? We were designed to glorify God. You can look at uh, Isaiah 43 here and see that our purpose was to glorify God and to be this extension of him in the world and represent him in the world. And at one point prior to Jesus, prior to the Gentiles being grafted into the family, the family was Israel. These Israelites, Israel was actually a person. It was Abraham's son who he originally made that promise to. His name was Jacob. God, he wrestles with an angel and God changes his name to Israel, which means wrestles with God. And it's kind of a beautiful like metaphor for what Israel and his children will be like with God. They will constantly be wrestling with God, although he loves them so much. But anyway, moving on. So there, so God is looking for the glory out of this situation. And so he's going to, like he says, harden Pharaoh's heart so that they will pursue Israel even further. Right. The Pharaoh is kind of pissed that he had all this free labor from the Israelites and they, and he let them leave because he sent plagues on them. He's like, why would I do that? He's changing his mind. Right. He's like, I can't let them go. What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. So he does this. He starts to pursue them. And as they're pursuing. Now, this is this is the abandonment part. And there's just one other idea that I want to kind of highlight here is when God gives instruction for where they should camp, he says this in Exodus 14, verse 3, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. It's kind of a subtle verse, but what what he's doing is having Israel look weak. He's having his people seem weak so his name and he will be glorified through their deliverance now this is something that is a common theme throughout the bible it's hard to see but it's especially exemplified in jesus's life that he becomes the lowest of the low and so when and i've always looked at god's kingdom especially after jesus being turned upside down where the people who are the lowest will be made high Right. God says, how you treat the least of me is how you treat me. So there's this continued theme in the Bible of those who seem weak and who are in need are the ones who God delivers. And so God has high and mighty Pharaoh look like I had. Oh, we're going to crush these guys in between the water and the desert. They have nowhere to go. And God's like, this is all a part of my plan. You're kind of falling into my snare here because you see yourself as this is exalted one. You don't see me. You don't worship me as the exalted one. You have this idea of glory for yourself in your own mind and you crushing Israel and essentially his God as well. That's going to be, you know, that's going to bring you your own glory. But God obviously wouldn't have it that way because the glory belongs to him having created all of them. So he's like, all right, we got you guys little weaklings and they see it in themselves. And that's that's the problem as well, is that 
seeing all of these mighty chariots and the horses, I'm sure it looked like it was in slow motion, them chasing them through the desert, galloping. It's like a slow motion movie theme, uh, movie scene. And, and read uh, 10 through 12. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to die in the desert? And sometimes it feels that way, right? Why am I in this circumstance? How did I get here? How did I end up at such like the bottom of the barrel? There's nothing left for me to grab onto. There's no hope. But between me is a desert and a sea. I have no way out. But God promised that he would deliver. We in our own minds had some difficulty seeing how he might do it, but he altogether had a plan. And that plan was to make his word come true and effectively glorify him by a means that only he could achieve. That's what God does. You might have to pause the podcast, pause. You can't pause it on the radio when you listen on the radio, but pause the podcast and go back and listen to what I just said and maybe listen to it five or six more times because that's how God delivers through a means that only he can achieve. Amen. But, but Moses finally steps up in this confidence, having seen what God can do, right? He was firsthand for all of the plagues. He was the one who told Pharaoh all these plagues were going to happen, and then they happened. So he's like, all right, guys, you clearly don't see what our God can do. The many other times that he's delivered us, and he delivered Abraham, and he del delivered Isaac and Jacob and all of his sons and Joseph, right? Moses answered to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you need only to be still. Again, God's deliverance happens in a way that you can't do. He was never... And you need to go back and read um, the book of Judges. Read about Gideon. Read how Gideon, uh, God strips down Gideon's ar army to the size of only 300 people that he might deliver, that God might deliver them. And they, he, God is basically insisting that they don't see it as something that they've done because they're fighting an army of 10,000. But God is like, I got this with 300 folks. Like, you guys just chill out. And Moses finally wises up and sees what God can do. And so he gives them this, right? The, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And so again, this question comes up, how short are we selling God? He's willing to fight our battle for us. He's willing to stand in with us. And we're saying, we're as good as dead. Again, we see these very strong Egyptians who I know on my own I can't beat. But God kind of forces us into this position to lean on him again, just like it happened in the boat with Jesus and his disciples. We're actually seeing another group forced to rely on God and be delivered through God's hand. Again, it wasn't them. It wasn't like you didn't bring your sword with you. OK, we're screwed. It was that your lack of faith was helping you or making you feel that you were separate from God and that he wouldn't deliver you. But Moses finally wakes up and says, look, guys, he's done all these things for us so far. He's not going to stop now. The words left his mouth. They must be true. 
So let's just stand in. But, but think about how bad they were feeling, right? Go back to verse 11. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? They preferred to be in this land of slavery, right? God has a greater purpose and plan for you than what you're living in now. You can't see it. So you prefer this place that you were comfortable, right? Verse 12, did we not... This is Israel talking to Moses. Did we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. Let us remain in slavery, essentially. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And so they're saying, I would have preferred to be a slave than to trust in the Lord here in this, in the, in this situation because I can't do that right now. How is he going to get us out? I can't see it. Right, their faith is so small. This idea of faith is coming, you know, early on. Again, now we're only in the second book of the Bible. And the people are not seeing that God might have this ability to deliver them. So they're saying, I'm I was comfortable in slavery. At least I wasn't going to die in the desert. Effectively saying, We don't believe the Lord. We don't believe you speaking for the Lord. And it's an honest question, right? So many times we look at someone who tells us the Lord will deliver you, the Lord, trust in the Lord, pray to him, believe in him, believe in what he can do and he will deliver you. And just because it's coming from a person and we wish God would come down and say it to us, we we tend not to believe it. We're like, okay, well, since God hasn't said it with his own mouth, even though he said it many thousand years ago and his promises remain true because the words left his mouth. How many times am I going to say that today? That we can feel confident in it. And so when we have a brother or sister reminding us because they're in human form, like we are, we don't believe them yet. They're just reminding you of the promises of old, the promises that God had made to us through his son, through Moses, through all of these people. He, he had continued to communicate his love and his ability to deliver and unforeseen circumstances and times that we fall into trouble. So when we're coming into the situation we're not familiar with and we feel abandoned and we feel that God has left us, it's probably just because we're not giving him credit for all the things he has done and is willing to do, right? God has a plan for you to come out by your enemy's strength in this crazy way. In this story, God is using Pharaoh's strength and determination to crush him. God uses Pharaoh's zealousness for evil and for, you know, coming up over God and his strength. I'm ready to be the strongest one in the whole world. He uses that to crush him. They're going to pursue, um, they're going to pursue Israel in the water and God is going to cave the the waves back in on him. And they're all going to be buried under the water. And that becomes right. His confidence becomes his downfall. And God looks at them in verse 15 and says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on again. Why is your faith so small? Do you still not have any faith? Like Jesus asked the disciples, raise your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea 
to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on the ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and his army, right? I'm going to be the one to delete, to delete them, yes, but to defeat them through only a way that I can do so that it will bring me glory and people, even the Egyptians will recognize that it was me who had done it. Again, not, not something that Moses can do. I didn't wake up this morning thinking that I could even part the water in the sink so I could wash my hands. But yet they had a sea in front of them and they were able to do it through God. God, God allowed them the ability to part the sea. He was with them that they could part the sea and, and be delivered. And so there's a sea in front of you. There's an enemy chasing you, but there's a way that God has for you to get out and just pray to and pray to him and ask him what that looks like and how that can be. And sometimes you need to just close your eyes in, in the midst of all of these issues that you're dealing with in this life and say, God, I believe in you. It doesn't make sense to me, but it's not supposed to. Lord, I just believe that you can take me out of this place. I feel like the Israelites now, but I know that you can do what you've always done. And I trust you to do what you've always done. So Lord, please continue to deliver me. Please continue to soften my heart that I might hear you and I might move with you. Let's, let's get rid of this idea that we're being abandoned by God. Stop selling him short and start to live in the fullness of his love and grace and ability. That's the call here today on talking Jesus, right? We're talking Jesus from the old Testament, the new Testament. We're talking about God's ultimate plan to fulfill his love for us and his son and some of the prime examples that we've gotten through men who have loved and trusted God. We did not get a chance to go through Chronicles, but we will eventually. I love you. I thank you for tuning in. And I will talk to you next week. Talking Jesus, baby. <laughs> <laughs>